0: Are you ready?
1: A shot of wrestling. Episode 211. And, oh, wait. Wait. Go. Oh, Rachel, get a shot, boy. Is that the message you got? We are
2: about to go live. Are you ready to rock? So take a shot. Oh, so take a shot. Oh, yeah, I'm a street breaker. I'm a heartbreaker. This is my door.
1: This week in a shadow wrestling
3: was the stadium stampede a success. Our managers making a comeback and interview with Nikos, Ricos and more.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of A Shot of Wrestling. I'm your host at Michael J. Putty. Joined, as always, by Hollywood, Mark Schwann. Mark, welcome back.
0: You never get it right, do you? Like We've been doing this for so long. It's the Hollywood assassin, your favorite actor, Mark but You're not Schwann. my
1: favorite actor, though. You're not my favorite
0: actor. How, 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 am, I, how am I not your favorite actor? Who's,
1: who's your favorite actor? Um, anybody but you. Wow. You're better than Liam Neeson? You're telling me you're better than Liam Neeson?
0: I am better than Liam Neeson. Okay. I'm the, I am the best actor in the world, in my eyes. You know, I wouldn't get into this game if I didn't believe that to my core, to be the best actor in the world. Otherwise, what am I doing?
1: Mark, the uh, little history for you, the good old days before you came on the show. Episode 101 was historic because we had our very first female co-host. took us 110 episodes later, but we got another one. Mark, please introduce our guest this week.
0: Oh, my God. Where do I begin with this one? <laughs> I've been dying to get her on this show for quite a bit. I've seen her doing her thing. Uh, there's a lot of different podcasts. Tiff, I'm just going to let you take over, man. I think you could do a better (laughs) job introducing (laughs) yourself than me, introducing (laughs) you, because you have a long resume, and I don't want to miss anything.
4: I really do. I really have, like, a the funniest thing is is that not one name, like, I came up with. Everybody giving me the name. So, as they call me, the EVP of Giggles, the Heartbreak Chick, and the Queen of the Indies, Tiffany. So, there's all my names. There are more, but we stick with those three
0: that's what I'm known to (laughs) say, Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us. You have a busy schedule because you do a lot of different podcasts, you do a lot of different stuff on social media. Uh, I love what you do. I love your energy. It's always a thrill to see you when you come to any show. Uh, So
1: I'm very glad to have you on here with us tonight. No, I
4: appreciate you guys having me on. And this is her
1: tired. This this amount of energy is her tired. I can't imagine her at 100%.
4: (laughs) No, yeah. I'm gonna start freaking up, and it's gonna be like. <laughs> so I work huh? okay. There's a reason. There's a reason why you on. So. <laughs> so you're warned if you don't know me. So.
1: What's your favorite nickname?
4: Oh man, I don't know. It's you know, believe it or not, I kind of like the glitter queen. Even though like those are like the my three main ones, but there is like a other podcast out there that only know me as the glitter queen because I will pop into people's chats. And I tell them that I'm throwing glitter at them. So I think actually I like that one the best. I dig it. <laughs> we never it. Started, so. The
0: glitter queen. The glitter we we queen. need to get, like, putty, you're not using any of your jackets anymore. Hook her up with one of your jackets. You got glitter on, though. You do. I do have one of my with glitter on it, yeah. I think there's more <laughs> <on it. laughs> See, this is perfect. This is match made in heaven already, right
4: here. See, see, I gotta, I gotta start. Like, I gotta break out with like the glitter eyeshadow. We'll put some glitter in my hair. I'm ready to act the fool at all the shows. Let's go.
1: <laughs> so this is your first time on yeah, the show. ain't cool. If you're not acting like a fool, I'll tell you that.
4: <laughs> Seriously.
1: <laughs> all right, great. This is your first time on the show, so we would like to uh, do a little segment where we get to get to know you. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. Yes, you three okay, que- three questions to get to know you on a personal level. Oh, question not question not number one.
4: <laughs> yeah, okay, let's
1: go. What's your first professional wrestling memory?
4: All right, so it's really funny, like like wrestling, like how I got into wrestling in general, or like fed, more of your how first I've your gotten... first memory,
1: your first vision okay, memory of so wrestling. so
4: first memory, um, it's it's really hard to like pinpoint, right? Because it's I'm I'm old. Okay, so <laughs> I'm old. So I remember like when I was young with my dad, my dad used to watch Monday Night Raw. And uh, so I remember like walking through like the living room and like he was always watching wrestling. So like one day I just decided to sit down and watch with him. I remember Lex Luger. I don't remember the segment. I don't remember what okay. it was. But when you ask me like what is my favorite memory, like like as far as I could go back, I will always go back to WrestleMania 10. I okay. love WrestleMania ten. It's one of my favorite. It's like my yeah. favorite one, and I will always go back to Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon in the ladder match. So that is always, and I know a lot of people was shocked when they hear that from me because I am AEW girl and I am independent, independent wrestling girl now. So I'm not a WWE girl, but those are like that's what kind of brought me, uh, I guess, like my bonding with uh, my dad that's was cool. wrestling.
1: It's a common answer: bonding with your parents or your brothers. Wrestling brings those people together. Yeah. So you answered my next question. What's your favorite match, uh, Mark? Do you have any questions for her?
0: Oh my God! I, do I have a question? Putty, you're actually let me have a question here. I'm I'm, I'm shocked.
1: <laughs> yeah, enjoy it. Don't don't mess right. it up. Don't drop the ball here. Yeah. No pressure. What oh, the one?
0: What was the one thing that you remember that took you out of WWE?
1: Oh, good question.
4: Hmm. You know, it's funny. Like, cause. I, I watched wrestling for, like, a bunch of years. And then I think what happened to me is, like, once I graduated high school and a little bit before before that. So I'm class of 2000. So I think, like, a little bit before, that's when I stopped watching because life started happening. Like, serious. Like, too much going on. And it was, like, college was coming. And then I was, like, babysitting, working. And then also the fact that I didn't like that a lot of my favorite wrestlers were leaving wrestling like they were retiring or they were going to wcw or whatever the scenario was and all newcomers were coming in so for whatever reason i didn't appreciate that and like i said on top of real life i just didn't have time for it as well so for a long time yeah i think i I got back into wrestling again about like six years ago so for a long time i didn't watch wrestling believe it or not So it was, it took to a whole bunch of like friends when I was in a bowling alley with a whole bunch of friends and they were like talking about wrestling. And I was like, how is wrestling? They're like, it's good. They're like, I was like, really? I was like, I used to watch when I was a kid. I was like, and I stopped. They're like, oh, it's so much better. So then I started watching because all my friends were watching and that's how I kind of got back into WWE. Um, But like I said, through the years, like kind of expanded my horizons to other wrestling. So now I'm here.
0: Wrestling is glad to have you
4: back. Yes, (laughs) And, and and I'm happy for it. I love it. We're, you know, like I said, that's that a long time ago. Like, we're talking 20 years ago, right? It's, it's changed a lot. It's evolved. That's the best oh. word that I could put it. Wrestling's evolved. Yeah. So, so much, so, so much stuff with it.
1: Who are your favorite three wrestlers of all time?
4: Oh, okay. So, I'm still always going to stick with Shawn Michaels, oh, yeah. Bret Hart.
2: Okay. Whoa.
4: Those are like my two. Um, and you know what? I'm gonna go into your independent scene. If you know me, number one husband, if my list of husbands is Anthony Gango. so I'm gonna stick with that. So my favorite. I don't know why he's not signed, but <laughs> that's another story for another day.
1: <laughs> Bret Hart, Charles Michaels, Anthony Gangon. Final question: Do Mary kill?
4: Oh God! <laughs> Are you I always forget like, that you of do the this. three. Of the three,
1: correct? Do Mary kill? Okay, yeah, well... he, he did this to me too.
4: Okay, so was it? Um... He
1: married Shawn Michaels. Spoiler alert.
4: I know. No, I, I, no, Gango would be the one I marry, and then I guess I don't know. I think I would, I would kill Bret Hart.
0: <laughs> wow, so, he's a little bit of a whiner. He's a little bit of a whiner,
4: right? <laughs> <laughs> but look at Shawn Michaels, damn. <laughs> well, I don't know how now, but like, you know? yeah. like if you're going to talk about like old school Shawn Michaels, like 1994, 1995, like oof, <laughs> I should have started the list of husbands back. Then. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. That's well, where we're going to go with
1: that. I think we learned enough. We learned a lot in the past couple of yes. minutes. You're officially welcome to the show.
2: Thank
1: yes. you. You guys get yes. ready to get some news? We approve. And so, yeah, let's
0: get into some news. Oh, okay. It's time for In the News with Michael J. Putty and Mark Schwab. Let's
1: get into some news. As you all noticed, quote-unquote, fans returned to the crowd for WWE tapings. They brought in NXT developmental talent to act as fans, something Vince was hesitant to do because he didn't feel like having a crowd during a pandemic would be good optics. AEW has the advantage because they're in an open-air stadium, so it worked out for them. It was noted going around the performance center Monday that these changes made will be the new normal until they're allowed to bring fans back into the arenas. Vince reportedly is still hoping to have fans back into the crowd by SummerSlam in late August now. This is a realistic goal, especially since SummerSlam doesn't have a home yet. Do you think we'll see fans back in the crowd by August?
0: Yeah, I, I actually think we do. Really? I think it's not it's not going to be a sold out crowd. It's definitely not going to be in a big arena or a big stadium. Uh, I think they're going to actually have they'll, they'll they'll have a crowd. Uh, it's going to probably gonna be at twenty five percent capacity, and they'll probably keep the, those boards up, those hockey boards up if you I want to like, call them you that. I like that. Yeah. You know, I, I think that'll that'll help them as far as like, you know fans not like, grabbing at the wrestlers or whatever. But actually, I want to talk to you real fast about, you know, what they're doing here with this, you know, with what they have in the crowd here. You know, NXT, I mean, not NXT, you know, NXT, SmackDown, Raw. I mean, they're basically copying what AEW has been doing from the get-go of this pandemic here. And still, AEW is managing to do it better. The the crowd at AEW, the, the extra talent that they have there, it sounds organic. It sounds like they're legit having a good time as opposed to the crowd that they're having right now the development of the talent they have in WWE it just really sounds so forced and contrived that that's at least my take on it tiff what do you think
4: um i love the fact that aw has got the roster involved since you can't get everybody during matches so this is a great way to play in their character as well so and i feel when the rosters having fun then you're having fun with it now i don't know about like the wwe stuff or whatever but I mean, I know like you, the wrestlers, like you feed off of your fans. So I don't know if we're going to get back by August. I mean, maybe 25%, but then how are you selling tickets like that? I had tickets for AEW's Jersey show. That was supposed to be Blood and Guts, right? So we're supposed to schedule, I think it was July 22nd, I think the date was. And I'm sure it's going to be pushed again. But like, what do you do here? Like, do you uh, refund? everybody like and then let everybody rebuy tickets or you just keep postponing your tickets for the fan base so i think that's what's going to keep happening i really don't think we're going to get full that we're not going to see that jersey show so like maybe like maybe the end of the year because we don't even know what's going on new york city can't even get into phase one so
0: new york city's going to go to phase one come june 8th Uh, That's what it's looking like right now. So, I mean, that's very positive news. You know, phase four, entertainment uh, in general, you know, that's still a bit away. But from what it looks like, we could realistically hit that mark come July or August. You know, other states are doing better than others uh, right now. You know, there's other states that enter into phase two. Some even regions here in New York are entering phase two. Or I've entered so already, yeah, so it, it, there's a realistic possibility that yes, SummerSlam could indeed happen with fans at a very limited capacity. I, you know, we just don't know because you know, obviously, a lot of things could change. You know, we see week by week things continuously change here with this pandemic, uh, and things could get worse, right? But with things that they're going right now, it's like they're getting better.
4: Oh, I hope so. I mean, I really, really do hope so, but I mean, it's just going to be like a slow build, like like you said, maybe 25 percent capacity but even again like what do we do with people who already have tickets for shows that it keeps getting pushed like how much longer are we going to get pushed for those shows so you're not going to refund back and then like have to rebuy tickets i don't think it's going to happen
1: all right in other news during an interview with the outkick we interviewer renee young opened up about the possibility of being a manager saying and i quote i would love to do that it's something i've always wanted to dabble in. before i got into we my background was more in entertainment rather than broadcasting one person I thought for a second would be pitching a thing for Elias. I think it would be really fun to be his band manager or something like that. Now, as you all know, managers are a lost art form these days. Now, with the success of Zelina Vega, do you think managers will make a comeback?
0: Well, you know, AEW right now, they're doing a fantastic job as far as like, having a match. They're bringing back old talent, uh, legendary, legends actually in there, enhancing the young guys. So right after you see AEW, what they're doing, they're doing a phenomenal job with that. But WWE, they're here when it comes to managers. You know, sometimes they want it, and then the other time it's like, eh, I don't know. It's not working. I, they're not really given a chance. And you know, We just saw Robert Stone get fired by Chelsea Green, and I thought they were doing a phenomenal job together.
1: Yeah, that was surprising.
0: Uh, I don't know where that storyline's going to go, but you have MVP with Bobby Lashley. You have Zelina Vega, who I think is crushing it. I think outside Paul Heyman, she's the best manager they have WWE. Not saying much. She doesn't have much competition, but with her facial expressions, with her athleticism, she brings a lot to the table, and she does a great job enhancing the talent around her. I would love to see managers make a comeback, man. You know, especially with me being a manager um, for Setsujin squad. It, it, it adds a whole other element of wrestling. We've talked about some people just need a mouthpiece. AEW, Tiff, you know better than I do. I mean, look look what they're doing over there with the managers.
4: I mean, it's great. Like, I kind of, like, feel like half and half with managers because, again, I don't want to be overloaded that everybody comes out with a manager. Yeah. So I feel like with certain people, like, then that's when you need a manager. So I understand, like, the bunny, like her with her husband, a bit of a butcher in the blade. I can kind of like understand it, but like also the other thing is, like Penelope Ford also comes out with Kip Sabian, right? So how come like Penelope Ford killed it in the ring? And unless you like followed her so hardcore into the Indies scene, you wouldn't really like know that. And and I I wish we'd see more of her, but instead of coming out with uh, Kip Sabian all the time, so I feel like. That was also forced in ADW as well. Is that a lot of the women are with talent being managers and that they don't have to. So didn't Allie like come in to be wrestling? And we started a few with her and Brandy, and now she's with Butcher and the Blade. But again, like I said, this was her gimmick in the Independence scene. So I, I totally get that, but I personally don't want overkill of managers. Not everybody needs to come out with a manager. A
0: so no, I completely agreed. I mean, like, it, it seems like wrestling. Has this problem where they either give you too much of something or they give you too little of something? Uh, they don't know how to find a happy balance. I completely agree. You need a happy balance of managers. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be everyone having one. But I think there are a lot of wrestlers that really, you know, they're great in the ring, but they don't know how to talk, or they might not, like, yeah. you know, be comfortable with a character. In which case, then yeah, you have a manager, or you build a faction. Remember that old thing when you have a faction of people. You you put them all together. You have one manager, and maybe one wrestler who can actually talk, and then boom, you actually have something. You build them up. Totally agree with that,
1: Mark. Uh, you're a manager. Who would, who do you think would you want to manage main roster A W W E? Who would you want to manage? Who do I want
0: to manage? Yeah. I would love. It's right now, at this moment, like, you know I've talked about before how I would love to manage. You know Roman Reigns. Oh, at yeah. one point, I did say that. Yeah, but as of right now, at this moment, I would love to manage Oscar Man. Like you know, I Oscar, I, she's I, I've talked about her, man. Like you know, people think I shit on Oscar, but like I love what she does in that ring. She's got a tremendous amount of charisma. Uh, she's definitely she's definitely getting over with fans. But I, my worry is like how long will that last? When like you know they don't necessarily know what she's saying, don't know her motives. So I think a mouthpiece could help with that. And, and I and I feel like you know with what I could bring, I feel like here's me angle here. I, I could bring a lot to the <laughs> table as far as like you know. Uh, elevating Oscar to that level,
1: Tiffany. Who do you want to manage?
4: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I would be a good manager. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Take your time. What I like? <laughs> no, I know. i like I got to really think about that. Cause, like I don't, I don't, I don't really know. You like threw me. I don't know. Like it's funny because you can pick someone uh, in, in, in the Indies cool. too, if
1: if you feel more comfortable. I know.
4: I know. You know what's funny. A lot of people said like I should manage uh, Gangone, right? And then I was also told that I should manage Hank Flanagan as well. Hmm. Um, interesting. So, yeah, yeah. Very, very interesting. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. AEW is bad because it's like, you know, with the husbands and like AEW, like, you know, best friends don't need me. Um, <laughs> I'd love to come out with my young bucks, it could be, but they don't need me. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I would be a good manager, to be honest with you. Why not? Because I don't think I'm really a good mouthpiece. I'm too giggly for it. I, I don't know. I think I'd be more – honestly, I think me, like, if I was going go to go work in wrestling, I think I'd be great for interviews. I don't think I would be a great manager. I,
0: I, I see Tiffany being more of, like, a Renee Young type.
4: Yeah, I can totally – I feel like that would be me.
0: Which, which brings me, then, full circle to Renee Young and talking about how she wants to be a manager. You know, Renee Young, I, I love what she does. I, I actually was probably one of the few people that actually liked her in commentary as well. I, I just don't actually see her being that type to manage someone. She doesn't have a mean streak. Uh, you know, she doesn't She she doesn't really ha- have athleticism, to my knowledge, as far as what she could bring to the table, as far as taking bumps or whatever. Uh, otherwise, he probably would have done that when, on uh, with Dean Ambrose was on his way out. They would have worked something out there. I just, uh, I, I just don't see it. I would, I'd be curious if she ever did it. I'd be very curious to see it, but you know, I, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily know if she has what it takes to be a manager because it, it's more than just sitting there
4: looking pretty. But you're not going to know unless it doesn't happen. True. So you True. know, like maybe, maybe there'll be like a pulled outside of her that you wouldn't necessarily think that would come out. Maybe she be even better than than Zelina Vega, right? Like Zelina Vega, like you said, one of the best, right? I don't even watch WWE anymore, but when I was watching like NXT. Like, she, she's the best. She's the best mouthpiece. She's the best thing going, like you said. So you're not, you know, we don't know. So I say give it a shot. At least once or twice, you don't know what you can find. You can find gold, right?
0: Tiffany, if that is the case, if Renee, if Renee Young were able to see a different side of her, I would pop. I'd, I'd be the first <laughs> one to pop. Like, I, I am a big Renee Young fan. So I, I would love to see a different side of her. I just don't necessarily know if she could do it. Hey, don't get me wrong. I am a huge Leonardo DiCaprio fan. I didn't necessarily think he could pull off Django Unchained when he played a villain there. And I was wrong. I thought he was the best villain ever. So
4: <laughs> Hey, let's see it, right? You never right.
0: know.
1: Right. All right, moving on. <laughs> Following up on a story we talked about last week, uh, Tiffany Mark's favorite subject, the XFL's in the news. Physic Man said he will not be in the running to buy back the XFL in a recent deposition saying and I quote I don't know why that's out there making me look like a bad guy. I'm going to buy the XFL back for pennies on the dollar, basically? No. I do hope that somebody will pay a lot of money for it. I do hope that it survives. According to The Athletic, there are many suitors willing to buy the XFL. There's up to uh, 20 feelers right now. So, Mark, the XFL could be coming back soon with a goal to come back in February 2021. Keep hope alive, Mark. The dream's not dead yet. What, who's dreaming? Yours? Ours, Mark. Good for you.
0: We're a team. We're a team. Do not, a team.
1: Do not we are a team, Mark.
0: Yeah, we're a commentary team, but we're not a football team.
1: We'll go to a game together, Mark. We'll get a beer. We'll have a good time. Buy you a jersey. You,
0: you're going to buy me a jersey? Yeah. Well, I can't buy my own
1: jersey? Okay, if you want to, I was to save the money to be a gift, maybe a birthday gift, anniversary gift, if you will. But be a dick. It's fine. Trying try to do something nice for you, and you're fucking rubbing in my face. How
0: about this? How about we go to a real football game together? How about that?
1: Yeah, the XFL. I mean, when it comes out?
0: Oh, come on man.
1: <laughs> Tiffany, are you excited about the
0: XFL? What do you think of that? Are you a football uh, girl? I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, see, no. No. no, no one cares. No one cares, no buddy, one cares. except for
1: you. Except me we and you, Mark.
0: Just, we just lost every single listener right except now. Except me, me and you, Mark. Right. Except
1: XFL. me and you, Mark. I got to keep you up to date, Mark. I know you're always asking yeah. about me. I know you're starting to be in character right now, trying to impress Tiffany or something. But it's fine. <laughs> so off air, I, 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 I can show the text messages. I can show the text messages if you want me to.
0: Yeah, <laughs> to show the text message of me checking in on you when the XFL went yeah. bankrupt? Yeah. That, that, that was no,
1: about thing. like when the XFL coming back. Hey, are you
0: okay? Do you need to talk?
1: No. Whatever. We're way off topic. Bray Wyatt and his wife JoJo welcomed their second baby this week, a daughter named Hyrie Van Rotunda, Von Rotunda. Excuse me, they gave birth to their first child, Nash Six Rotunda. What have to regular names like Mike, Mark, and Tiffany? Like what? These weird names. Uh, Elon Musk had the weirdest one. Oh, Kyle? Yeah. Ugh.
0: No, it's not Kyle. That's, how you, then, that, uh, that's how you pronounce it. You didn't see that? That's how you that's how yeah. he spoke Kyle.
1: That's how you pronounce it, though. No, that, that's ridiculous.
4: You got to stand out, man. You yeah, got to stand yeah.
0: out. <laughs> if, if, if I'm that you kid... Don't I'm want,
4: just... You don't want the, somebody stealing the kids' lunch money, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> well,
0: If I'm that kid, if I'm old enough, I'm giving my father a punch to the skull. That's what I'm doing.
1: You're going give me like a billion dollars a week as a lounge? I think you'll suck it up. Yeah, maybe I would.
0: <laughs> Everyone's got
4: a price, right? <laughs> hey, you can always legally change your name.
1: That's the news in the... Yeah, Wrestling World. No Tiffany, you quickly mentioned uh, ICW is doing something pretty interesting in Atlantic City coming up.
4: Yes. What is that? June 27th. They're doing um, a drive-in show. So that sold out within minutes. It was 50 That's cars. Crazy. So it was $60. You fill up your car. You go to this spot in Atlantic City, and you get to watch wrestling in your car. So um, they haven't really did too much details. I think it's going to be live on, I want to say, IWTV. Because um, it's always usually on IWTV. So I'm pretty sure. I think they made one announcement of a match, but I think that they said it was pretty much most of their card that they had originally sent. I'm trying to see if I can find the match. Yeah. So it's uh, Schlack versus John Wayne Murdoch. That's, that's the first match announced right now for that. So, but yeah, uh, June 27th, Atlantic City. But, that goes uh, to show you.
0: I mean, like, they, they didn't even have uh, like a, a, a card announced yet. They announced the date, they announced what's going on. And then boom, sold out within minutes. It goes to show you, like you know, fans—they uh, want wrestling again. They want to yeah. see—they're the, the, the diehards. They're indie wrestling. They want it back. They don't necessarily care anyway which how. Uh, you know, this is going to be a show. They're going to go. So for those that have been worrying yeah, how indie wrestling is going to cope with this when we come back from pandemic, here's your proof right here. We're going to be okay.
4: There. That- you have loyal fans. This is one thing that I learned about the independent world, right? Like I'm definitely one of those loyal fans. Like the hard thing is there's too many independent shows that I can't clone myself to go to everything, which makes it very difficult. But ICW is definitely one of my favorite promotions that I go to. Um, again, you always see the same people over and over again. And it's one, you know, one company that always makes you want to come back. So the, the, the car does not need to be announced. I want tickets for it. You, if, if I can go on the date. I want tickets. I don't need to know the card because I know it's going to be a good show. Are you going to this one? No, because it sold out so quick.
0: Hey, oh, man. You found out too late. <laughs> it sold out so quick. You can see some of his trunk or something. Trunk, yeah.
4: Uh, it's okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't miss a thing. but us take it easy.
4: <laughs> I'm good. I will support at home and and I will definitely be there. So, awesome.
0: looking forward Awesome. Definitely looking forward to this see wrestling come back in the tri-state area this does give me hope i'm not part of the icw world uh, but i've been paying attention to what's going on and i'm excited for the wrestlers are coming back and i hope they're safe uh, when they do open up but uh you know there's a bit of things but putty yes. do you have any other news no that's it all right well then speaking of indie wrestlers i had an awesome interview with the spartan people himself he's one of my favorites outside of the Saturn squad and bwf take away to you Nikos Rikos. What is up, everyone? It is me, your favorite actor, the Hollywood assassin, Mark Schwan. For another episode of Shot of Wrestling, my guest is the Spartan Pitbull himself, one of my favorite guys in VWF outside the Satsujin Squad. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Nikos Rikos. The Spartan Pitbull, and
3: also add in, other nickname that I get really ticked off that people will forget to mention sometimes or choose not to mention. I, I, I don't know if it's a fear of Stamos or if it's a cadre thing with Full House or Fuller House or Small House or Smaller House. I don't care. It's also the Stamos of professional wrestling.
0: The Stamos of professional wrestling. I, dude, you know, I've called a few of your matches before. You never told me that one. I, I got to use that.
3: I've told many people, and for some reason, don't get me wrong, I love the sporting people, and they think that's the first and most, but the this, this Stamos of professional wrestling is the other one, and it's just as important, so, yeah, now you know going forward.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for educating me. I'm going to have to update my notes when we're done here. Uh, the Stamos of professional wrestling, Nikos, Rikos. Thank yeah. You, oh, my man. How are you holding up, dude?
3: I'm holding up well, I will admit, and uh, I'm not just saying this to piss people off, you know, even though I love doing that. I am not doing my part because I mean I'm not just walking around aimlessly in public places coughing and spitting on people as funny as that would be but I would go nuts if I did nothing but stay inside and only leave when it's time to get you know to go to the grocery store. So, well what's even so open? Like,
0: I know you're in New Jersey, right? And uh yeah. I feel like that's just as equally as, hit as New York. What else is open over there other than grocery stores? And are parks open at least?
3: Parks uh They've been open, um, Target, you know, a lot of stores. It's really interesting. I saw something earlier today. Um, I work for a small business, uh, a a personal training studio. and uh, One thing I saw today, which whatever, I'm sure some people get irked by it, but it was very true on Facebook. And it said, uh, amazing how you can't catch Corona in major retail stores, but apparently you can only get them in small businesses. Meaning small businesses right now are being held down and closed off, but yet you can still go in Target and you can still buy clothes and toys and whatever else. You can go there for stuff that is not essential. You can still go to vitamin shop. You can still do curbside pickup at Best Buy and whatnot. But yet for some reason – and I, I know the reason why, obviously, the virus – but, um, you know, this it's really affecting small businesses like ours. I'm doing a lot of uh, feast time and virtual training. Thank God for it. But uh, there's a lot more open than I think people realize. And don't get me wrong, that's not a lot of stuff. But which usually, whatever goes for New York goes for New Jersey and vice versa.
0: Yeah, I think they, they, they're, they're ten- all trying to keep it together, or at least a tri-state area, which makes sense because, you know, we're all going in about New York and that whole area. Yep. So it makes sense. Um, I just
3: like pick a date and stick to it, meaning, like, I'm not saying open everything immediately a thousand percent, but with restrictions, like whether it's, you know, you can only have your restaurant or your business at this much capacity, at least give everybody a chance to start going back to work, because right now a lot of people are going to, in my mind, end up being lazy because they're getting these awesome checks coming in, so before everybody gets into that group, at least start to open up and give everybody a chance, because it's going to be a while before... People are comfortable going places, or you're going to have people that are just going to you know jump the gun and you know get out of the house immediately and you know potentially yeah. you know. I mean, it's so tricky what do. Like,
0: I, Of course, I think New York City is is the toughest part to like open right away uh, because that had more cases than anywhere else, really. Oh um, yeah, Jersey's
3: like like right up there too. Yeah,
0: uh, but there are definitely certain places I would say in, in Jersey and New York, uh, other regions where it's not hit. Anywhere near as hard. Um, I think that's something that uh, some states are looking into, opening up things regionally.
1: Uh, I'm
3: not saying reopen everything a thousand percent right away, full blown, like don't have restrictions, but I think at least like let everything reopen up, but put restrictions on it, but at least
0: give the businesses a chance to start that growth again. Or at least for them to figure it out, you know, I mean, like, it's no. It's no harm at least from me to try to figure out as far as like maybe doing curbside stuff like the bigger companies right. or deliveries because no one's going to come in. To, no one's really going to come to the stores. So, right. But, you know, hey, Nico, going on a more positive note, though, uh, I understand that you and uh, Vicious Vicky guys just celebrated one year together. So congratulations.
3: Thank you. Yeah, we did. Uh, somehow she's been putting up with me. And the fact that she has to hear about my love for Taylor Swift, of course. So a lot of credit to her. Yeah, I will say that.
0: Well, you know, I, I've seen you guys work together. Um, you know, you guys are such a, an awesome couple. You know, we call you the power couple of BWF for so many reasons. Now, you guys have been quarantined and everything. How did you spend your, your one year together?
3: Uh, so let's see. Tuesday, what did we do? We um, we got from our favorite Suzy place. Um, I will have everybody know I paid because I'm good like that. And we literally just we, – we had our sushi, and then we, we watched Lost. And for me, that was – I mean, look, there's nowhere to go anyway. Right, of um, course. And um, honestly speaking, uh, which I know she'll really grimace at hearing this, before this pandemic hit a couple months ago, I just had a feeling, like a, you know, a, a, a spidey sense. And I just said to her, probably back in February, I said, just a heads up. I hate surprise parties. So if you do think that you might be throwing one for me, cancel it in your head. (laughs) Cancel it right now. And then Vicky, you know, naturally she hears all of this and went on to plan a surprise party. No.
4: Then the pandemic
3: hit. And then it had to be canceled. You know, she she had to hear it from me where I said, Hey, this wasn't one of those uh, oh, don't do this for me, but deep down I'm really saying do this for me. Or I'm just being coy. I'm like, uh uh-huh. I'm like, first of all, her setup, I'm just gonna keep it short. The setup as I asked her, hey, just out of curiosity, what would you have done to get me to go to this restaurant, blah, blah, blah. She told me the setup, and I said, I would have been on to you within about three and a half seconds. <laughs> so I said, Take this as a note. Next time you plan a surprise party, even if the person said don't, you got to plan that better because it would have been a dead giveaway. She was going to lure me into a restaurant that I, I have never been to before. I've never said I wanted to go to. And I'm like, Why? I'm like, You know, traditionally on the birthday, you say, Hey, where do you want to go? I said, if you would have told me, oh, we're going here, and I would have been like, I don't even like this place. Why are we going here? I said, that would have been the dead giveaway.
2: So
3: <laughs> she's going to hate me for telling the story. But at this point, it's in, all in good nature. Yeah, it's just There was supposed to be a big surprise party that had to get canceled. So that was only going to be a couple days before our anniversary was my birthday. And uh, that's right. They were said, like, very
0: close. I Once again, didn't you actually have a birthday too? Uh, But yes, okay.
3: Now I know why I was going to bring it back. So she set up this amazing gift. She had a bunch of wrestlers, friends and families, uh, friends and family. They donated to their choice of of one of my two favorite rescues, uh, mainly hamster-related, which they had the choice of the Westchester Rescue Hamster Haven or the Pipsqueakery. A lot of people donated to both in my name. I thought that gift was amazing. That is beautiful. Uh, So long story short, I was as we sat there on Tuesday and we were just enjoying our anniversary dinner. I said, Hey, just to bring it back for a second, I told her, I said, I understand what you were doing for my birthday. I said, but whether it's my birthday or anniversary, I go, this is to me like the best way to celebrate, whether it's anything big. I'm like, we're just sitting here, not in public, just enjoying Lost. And that's the way I like it. So that's where I was going with why I brought up my
0: birthday thing. <laughs> no, all good, man. I mean, it sounds like you guys, no matter what, COVID-19 or not, I mean, that would be an ideal celebration for you guys. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you guys had that moment together. Hopefully, you guys have many more years together like that. Without Just, the yeah. virus, of course. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Now, Nikos, um, you know I know you go to like different promotions. Everything I I, I know you are from BWF, and you, know, like, you know we cross paths to BCW sometimes. Uh, but you know there are different other promotions that you work at. What are the differences between them for you? Do you, do you have work a different style in each different one, or I,
3: you know I, it's it's gonna to a lot of wrestlers. Maybe the fans won't understand, but to a lot of wrestlers, it's gonna sound cliche, but. The biggest thing that changes from promotion to promotion in terms of uh, what I do in the ring is based on the crowd. So there's times where when I've worked for uh, Crowbar, I used to be in WCW, mm-hmm. um, Chris Ford, who's also right now, a, uh, he's big into physical therapy, chiropractor, I believe, too. He's an amazing guy. When I've worked for him and his promotion, Rescue Mania, it's very much like, uh, you know, guys would describe it as like, oh, this is like an 80s. Like, it's very simple. There's a lot of families here, so you don't have to do anything crazy. Um, but then there's certain promotions you go to in areas where, you know, you look out in the crowd and you see a lot of people wearing shirts from pro wrestling tees. And then you're like, all right, this is the kind of crowd where maybe bust out more of the athletic stuff, more of the hard-hitting, the fast-paced stuff. Because that's what, you know, this quote-unquote hardcore fan demographic is looking for. Interesting.
0: So, so you can tell just really by looking at the fan base.
3: Yeah, and I learned that at a recent seminar that blew my mind. Uh, besides just the crowd, um, in terms of the people walking in, is to actually look at what they're wearing. I actually learned that at a Tommaso Ciampa seminar recently in, in the city, and I've never heard that before, is to not just look at the people, but look at what they're wearing, because if you see a lot of you know Hulk Hogan shirts and things of that nature, you know, okay, like I don't have to do much like in terms of to elicit a reaction, but if you're seeing – Bully Club and things of that nature and very, you know, niche wow. kind of stuff.
0: That I makes a that, lot of sense.
3: You know, that audience is going to be, all right, I want more. I want action. I want hard hitting. I want fast pace. So that's really how my style changes and how I go out there is, all right, I define it as, is this like an 80s show where I can go out there and do some, you know, simple stuff and get a reaction or is this more of like, all right, I'm going to have to, you know, kick it up a notch because this crowd wants more. This is, the hardcore demographic now.
0: Which style do you prefer the best?
3: Personally, across the board, um, no matter what kind of show it is, at the same time when I say that, I do typically, I I still have my style regardless. Mm -hmm. I'm not going, I I don't do, you know, moonsaults or anything. In fact, I rarely use my dropkick, and a couple times that I've busted out in practice, people are like, Jesus Christ, we didn't know you could do a dropkick like that or (laughs) jump that high. But I just don't utilize it a lot but for me across the board, like it, I'm always more of a ground and pound being aggressive. Um, you know, I grew up idolizing Goldberg, but I'm not six, four into 90. So the guys that I've taken a liking to over the years, since being a wrestler is guys like Chris Jericho, Fit Finley, William Regal, one of my trainers and a very, very close friend of mine in the business, Dan uh, um, is now back with ring of honor. <sighs> yeah, I pattern honestly, myself after him a lot too. this just kind of rugged, kind of really physical style um i get ripped on a lot at the WrestlePro, pro uh creative pro new jersey school for getting in there and even during a practice just lighting guys up and um there's usually a thing that is said in practices for the new guys where one of the trainers like a bobby wayward will tell a new guy well you survived getting in the room with nico's congratulations because people will joke around and say hey dude you know it's a practice right because i get in there and I'm trying to, you know, kill when it comes to uh, high I, strikes and whatnot. I see that
0: in every show with you. Whenever I see you perform, or whenever you do commentary, you know, you you always bring that intensity. To you even from like the get go, from the entrance. Uh, you know, you have that look in your eye. You're ready to go.
3: Uh, this is still at the end of the day, and I'm going to try not to go on this rant, even though I feel passionately about it. Uh, it's still a competition, and I will say I'm not going to mention names because I just see it across the board that especially on the indie level, it seems like for every, in my mind, really good talent, there's five to ten get-the-hell-out-of-this-business kind of talents, if I even want to call them a talent. Meaning, I feel like on the indies, I'm seeing a lot of guys that, all right, I'll throw on my t-shirt, I won't really work out, you know, my hair looks messy, I haven't really fixed up my beard or I don't shave, and I'm going to go out there and, oh, I just watched the Okada match, I'm going to try to repeat a few spots from there, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of wink at the crowd a lot, you know, like almost bring them in a little bit because that's the cool thing to do. Um, I may even laugh at a few things and act like it's no big deal. I won't really care about my entrance as much. I'll just get to the ring, or I'll circle the ring a thousand times and clap every freaking hand. Which tell me when you see that on TV, I'll answer for you. You Don't they get to the ring? I think uh, guys and girl and, and the girls too. Some of them forget that it's still a competition or supposed to look like one so when people are coming out and you know they're just I don't know acting like it's a party and I, I get it there is that vibe but just acting like yeah whatever you know and then afterwards they're standing in the crowd with the people and you know just trying to there's certain ones that are incognito then there's certain ones that are like hey please notice me I'm a wrestler and I just want a few people to come up to me and ah, this is not the way that I was trained. And I feel like at the end of the day, they treat it like a competition, whether legitimately the person from across the ring or yourself. And I just feel like there's a lackadaisical
0: approach when it comes to certain a, a percentage of indie wrestlers out there. Now, when you wrestle someone like that, you know, what goes through your mind? I mean, like...
3: You know, this is going to come, you know, I'm sure already, it's just too late to say that it's going to come off arrogant, Or judgmental, but I do realize, and this is a hard thing for me with wrestling to realize, but I've gotten better with it over time, I would think. I uh, had a hard time realizing that not everybody wants to get to a TV level. Not everybody wants to go to WWE, and I never understood that until more recently. And I've been, this is almost seven years now. So in my mind, even when I was going to a couple indie shows here and there before I started training, I would ask a friend of mine who was bringing me to his show, was like, hey, what about this guy, this guy, this guy? I don't get it. This guy is like, I was kind of judging him for the same things I was just saying. And he was like, well, not everybody wants to go to WA or TNA or or, WA. So there was no AEW at the time. And I was like, what? I was like, "Why would you want to, you know, risk injury? Why would you want to do this and not be at the highest level?" And that's one thing. I guess that's just my that's my competitive drive. Is I don't understand getting into something like this and thinking I'm not going to go higher than this, and I'm okay with that, or I don't want to go higher than this. So I realize that that is that's okay. Some people just want to keep it low key. They want to be a weekend warrior. That's that's totally okay. And there's plenty of people who are not. At the end of the day, though, I'm not going to, like, stiff anybody just because they're not of my thinking. Regardless, people make fun of me for being stiff, but I'm not. I've never actually heard anybody, so let me clarify that. But for me, it's just, uh, you know, you work to who you're in the ring with. So whether that's a good or a bad thing. So sometimes you're going to be working down. No offense. There's going to be people that you're like, okay, I'm not doing X, Y, and Z because – They can't really do that. Maybe I might try something. They might drop me and kill me, and Vice versa. This person's not athletic, so I'm not going to do this, that, and the other. I'm not going to be stupid. I'm going to still change based on who's in front of me. And then there's certain people where I'm like, holy crap, I can't believe I'm getting in the ring with... Fill in the blanks, and now I'm working up to them, and then and then comes the whole like, how am I going to do this? I can't. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm not going to change my formula too much. It's still going to be me, but depending on who's in front of me and how athletic they are and how
0: hard they're willing to work, that'll change. You know, the same for men. Well, I mean, obviously, it's been working for you. Uh, you know, we've seen you on TV before. We've seen you on NXT. We even saw you Monday Night Raw. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about those experiences?
3: Uh, yeah, so the first time also did Impact, too, but that was a little under the radar. The same week, we did Wrong. Dude, that's that right.
0: Like, I almost forgot about that. Yes, Impact. That was
3: on their show, Explosion. So back in June of 2019, that was my first time doing something for WWE. I went to NXT. Uh, I wrestled Keith Lee. By wrestled, I mean got murdered. <laughs> um which I'm proud that's totally okay. So that was just a great learning
4: experience, just being there. Anybody I'm sure who's done it
3: knows, especially the first time, it's overwhelming when you pull up and who am I letting cut in front of me? Oh, Nigel McGuinness, okay. And then I'm getting out and I'm like, oh, hey, and there's whoever it may be, you know, Adam Cole, Just walking into it, I go, this is insane. And then walking in, it's just crazy because they were setting up for a cage match with Io and Shayna and you're seeing this cage and Triple H is in there. They're reinforcing the cage and Shawn Michaels and Road Dogs on a headset and people are going over their stuff and you're just like, holy, you know. That's surreal. It is one of those like, wow. And for me, when I got out there to go up against Keith, I will say this, um, Honestly speaking, and granted, look, I was out there for barely 90 seconds, so it's not like I had a 15 minute banger. But I walked out there, and the second I got through and walked down the ramp, I did not feel nervous at all. In fact, when I first looked out at the crowd uh, packed uh, full sail, I felt like comfortable. And I gotta so- say,
0: w- watching you during that, like you, when I talked to you about before about BWF having that, that intensity, that look in your eye, you brought that same look to NXT. It wasn't like lost in the deer in the headlights or anything like that. It was still like the Nicos Ricos that we know.
3: It felt right. And all I can say is like when I got in the ring, I was it, and they let me be me, which was, wow, tremendous, because I did not expect that. But when I got out there, I was like, it felt right. I remember thinking to myself, yeah, yeah, I need, I need to get back here. Like I need to permanently, like this is where I, I need to be here. Then the second time around was the uh the, Vi- the viking raiders as it's called the, the war raiders the viking raiders along with um one of the guys from my school who was also a trainer at creative pro new jersey wrestle pro bobby wayward we were the uh east hampton polo boys and <laughs> yeah also, man also got crushed but again even a bigger experience because you just see the production that goes into a day's work there and it's Again, even just the things like fans don't either think about or realize and not that they should um, necessarily because they're not there. But when you're looking at how many people are in the building and how there's a team just focusing on, you know, at the time they were doing the wedding segment with Lonnie and Lashley and how many people just to put the cake together and then how many people are putting the stage up and you're just looking at. You know, how many people are working on the ring and just laying the flooring out? And they like, you can work reduction in just the amount of people that are there in hard hats and like busting their asses off. And then afterwards, like everybody's leaving and there's just hundreds of staff, again, in hard hats and whatnot, just waiting for the crowds leave so they can get out there and break everything down. And you're looking at these trucks and you're like, this is insane. You know, that experience, again, being out there on Raw, it felt comfortable. And Bobby is awesome. I can't say enough good things about Bobby's. As trainers as well. He started a year before me that I've learned a lot from. He worked for me for EWF once. Um, and we both were, we had a great time. We felt comfortable we, we went out there. And even though it was on commercial, we were being obnoxious to the uh, fans at ringside, doing our stretches, m- massaging each other, telling each other how good we looked, fixing each other's hair. You look
0: like a Hampton boy, man. Absolutely. I've hung out quite a bit out there in the Hamptons. You fit right in.
3: <laughs> yeah, and uh, Xavier Woods tweeted East Hampton Polo Boys for life that <laughs> night. So I know he was a fan of it, according to Twitter. Oh, it was
0: a great gimmick. It reminded me of like the Mean Street Posse almost.
3: Yes, and I was reached out to by, I call him a friend now, um, Bull James, who loved it. He was like, this is what, he's like, I see this for you. He's like, I love this. So just something to think about.
0: No, absolutely. You look comfortable in both spots, on NXT and on Raw. But, you know, you just, um, it looked like you belonged there. You know, you. and obviously that's something you've been working towards. And um, hopefully when things get back to normal, hopefully you'll get your chance to go back there. That's the goal. I think you you watch the current product.
3: Oh, yeah, of course.
0: When you watch like WWE or, or uh, NXT, AEW, or even, uh, even in, on the indie level, what interests you when you watch a match? What stands out to you when you're watching someone?
3: For me, it's the old school, or at least I consider the old school, the elements of the story. Um, so as amazing as some talents are from the athletic standpoint and from the stuff they do, the move, the sequences, which are mind-blowing, for me it's the story that's being told in the ring and it's the, it's the it's the moments, really, because mm. – one of the things I always look back on is when you think of a match, like, for example, my favorite match of all time is WrestleMania 25, Undertaker, and HBK.
0: Hell yeah, um, man. High five on that one. <laughs> yeah, and
3: one thing about that match is you don't really think about any moves from that match. You think about, oh, when Sean kicked out, remember the look on Taker's face? That's the number or, one thing
0: I remember from that.
3: Right. Or remember when Sean made his entrance and he came from up above and Taker came from underneath and but the first thing you go to is the moments. When you talk about Brett and Austin, you don't talk about the moves. You talk about Austin's, you know, quote unquote the crimson mask. Right. When you think about Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, you think about like the final moments when Sean's on his knees clutching the title. So in my mind too, I don't feel like a lot of people go Remember that move that that guy did in that match? Like, yeah, people will talk about that. But even when you look at, uh, to bring up something modern day, uh, Will Ospreay and, oh my God, his name is freaking Slipping Me. He was even in the Cruiserweight Classic, I think. Anyway, they did a move where, went for like a top rope Hurricanrana and they, let's put it this way, they both ended up off the top rope, Rana on their feet and i remember the camera even in new japan caught i think it was uh was it ishii was they caught his face and behind him osprey like ishii felt like oh he landed, like osprey must have taken the bump blah 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 but there was you know, osprey standing behind him and it was like in a movie like, he turned his head like is this guy actually on his feet and the the camera work of him being so stunned That Osprey landed on his... feet. I'm not describing it well, but everybody... I'm sure there's people that are smashing their heads against the wall wanting to kill me for not getting (laughs) this. Right. But basically, it's just those moments. Uh, Keith Lee and Dijak did it too. There was a moment in one of their matches, one of their classes on NXT, where one of them surprised the other, and there was this, like, pause... Or one of them like, are you kidding me right now? And they turned around, they
0: had this crazy stare down. And those are the things that, in my mind, people go to. So well, I'm glad you said I mean, Keith Lee with that, because I was going to say, too, you know, uh, when you talk about facial expressions, so with the one person that sticks out to me right now uh, in the modern day wrestling is Keith Lee. I feel like he's already mastered those facial expressions.
3: Like absolutely. I mean, Again, I don't, I don't mean to bring it back to me, but I'm going to do so. Um, when I when I had that quick match with him, there was that moment where I just uh, – I, I gave him a chop to the chest, and he just – he gave me that look. It wasn't like this intense, I'm going to kill you look. It was just that, oh, man, I'm going to – come on, man.
2: Like, you know,
3: <laughs> look at me, look at you. You're, you're dead. And those ultimately connect. So when it's talking about what I appreciate, what I look forward to or enjoy the most, it's the moments.
0: No, absolutely, so, man. Like um, I feel like you know we're not gaining as many moments lately in professional wrestling because it's just highlighted by what what did I do last time? Well, how can I do better as far as moves? How can I wow you? And right. um, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of feel like I see that in the indies too, don't you?
3: Well, yeah, that's definitely part of it. Um, when I was being critical of some of the things I've seen out there, is exactly what I said before. Where it's sometimes guys who are not caring. And then there's ones who, oh, Omega and Okada had some crazy match. Let's try to do those things we just saw this coming Saturday night, you know, in the Bronx or in Rahway. But they're trying to emulate a style they can't do. And, you know, they forget that some of these guys like uh, AJ Styles was like a 2 leader and a gymnast. I mean, he didn't just start doing these things like, you know, you look at certain guys, they're training. Alistair Black is trained in, you know, various forms of MMA. He's not just so you got guys that are like, oh yeah, I could do that. It's but like giving you,
0: Even you mentioned AJ Styles, who's a phenomenal athlete. Right. like. We, just, we all saw the WrestleMania match he had with The Undertaker. He didn't do any of his regular moves. He didn't necessarily show off his athleticism, but that was a hell of a match because it told a story. Like AJ Everybody's Styles,
3: talking about that, yeah.
0: Yeah, AJ Styles, he knows less is more. Just because he can do it doesn't necessarily mean he does do it. Shawn Michaels was the same way.
3: Exactly. And the, the thing with Shawn, the number one thing that I think of when I think of the Shawn Michaels match is the way that you know, he'd be... Hurting, his back is killing him, and before he gets to uh tune up the band, he's crawling up the ropes. He's using the ropes to pull himself up. He's looking around, almost asking the crowd the same way Ricky Morton would, like, you know, come on, help me out here. Like
0: the one thing that stands out for me with Shawn Michaels, a, a, a great moment was his match with Ric Flair. Uh, right before he gave the super kick, he says, "I'm sorry." I love you. Boom.
3: Everybody remembers that. Nobody remembers like certain certain moves and spots, whatever. They remember that, right? And you know,
0: I see it with you as well, man. Like you know, your 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 game is more ground based. You're you're more. It's almost like an old school style watching you, and I appreciate that because you know it, it is less and more. You can do more. I, I've seen you do more, but like it, it's it's just so interesting to watch you, and I think that's how you stand out um, in your matches. And plus, you you and Vicky, you guys always tell a story.
3: It depends who you're in there with and that goes back to one of your original questions where there are things that I normally do that depending on who I'm in the ring with, for better or for worse, I should or shouldn't or can or can. So there's certain times where if I'm again I'm gonna go back to a Bull James I do a move, a jumping gut buster, where the guy goes for a crossbody, I jump up at the same time, I catch him in a gut buster. I'm not doing that with Bull. (laughs) Right. Um, That's
0: something you do with Brother Greatness, but not with Bull. (laughs) I'm
3: I'm not going to ask, just because that's my move, doesn't mean, hey, I got to get this move in. When I look at a guy like Bull, am I going to do my usual stuff? Like, nah, not really. I'm going to try to cut him down. So I'm going to be more on the basic, I don't know, what fans might consider boring side for that time, because... My goal in the ring is to get Bull off his feet, however I can. So I don't need to be doing crazy athletic things. I don't need to expect him to do it either, because he's going to be looking to overpower me. So why am I going to say, "Hey, I want to," you know, do this open go buster. Like, it depends who you're in there with.
0: Right, and and there goes everything right. you fought so hard for, it, and that's the last. And that's left. what I
3: think indie guys do is sometimes they feel like, "Oh yeah, I'll just do it because that's my thing." It's like, well. Guys in WWE, they're co-workers on a weekly basis. They trust each other. They know each other. They know, you know, they're doing these matches on house They're not just doing them on Raw or SmackDown. So if I'm meeting a guy for the first time and I have bad vibes about I don't know, him
0: picking me up for a driver, then I won't do it. Right. No, you, you got to stand your ground. And uh, no, I mean, and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Nikos, we're almost running out of time. Uh, I think Abel's going to kill me if I don't bring this up. You know, you travel quite a bit. For what you do, and uh, one of the places you recently went to was Alaska to wrestle. Would love to hear about that. Yeah, so um, right around this time last year was the
3: first Wrestle Pro Alaska, and then the second one was December. Yeah, um, so I've never been there before. Obviously, have not traveled that far for wrestling. Uh, Kevin Matthews of Creative Pro Wrestle Pro, he's like the head booker. You say uh, he's the one who established uh, this relationship. Out there, uh, he vacationed there once and loved it. WWE does not go there often because it's very hard. Like they have to fly everything to Alaska, so it's not. There. I don't think they've been there since like 2006 or seven or something. I didn't even like that. know WWE's been there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Me neither. And he felt like there's a hungry fan base out there, so he established a relationship with uh, a promoter out in Alaska. They got a bunch of sponsorships together. It was a, really a phenomenal job. And uh, it was amazing just to experience Alaska. You know, it's a very different over there. I don't just mean from the, you know, it's colder, a little darker, but it's just a very different, like, uh, you know, laid back feel out there. Uh, you know, weed is legal, so that was the first time being in a place where I'm like, oh, okay, everybody's high. Oh um,
0: wow, I didn't even know then, that.
3: Yeah, and then in December, second time around, again another great experience. T.J. Wilson was there, Tyson Kidd, Bret Hart. And it's just cool because it's like everybody's with each other. Like the first time Cole Cabana did a comedy show, so we all went. It was uh, tremendous. So it was really cool, and uh, everybody's so welcoming there. They're excited to have the wrestlers in town. And the sponsors, they do a tremendous part of promoting it. And we've had good crowds every time. We are supposed to go back. This week, I just realized. Oh, that. no, really? <laughs> uh, so that has to be pushed back. I believe we are doing two shows at the end of this year. And officially, there is now a separate promotion called Wrestle Pro Alaska. Uh, so that's a whole separate thing now. Where WrestlePro Alaska is basically a promotion out there. It was definitely a different but really cool, especially from a wrestling standpoint. Those people are loud and excited because they don't get a lot of wrestling up there at all.
0: From what I understand, it used to be a, a pretty big territory back in the territory days.
3: Yeah, honestly speaking, I don't know much about the wrestling Alaska history. I've heard that before, but I haven't done my diligence of, like, really, I guess, educating myself on it. I just know that in modern times, and like, more recent times, there's not a lot going on there or any with wrestling. But even the guys up there and the girls, like, the workers that I've met, and I've worked with a few of them now at each show, have been, like, tremendous. Like, they're such nice people. Like, nobody's, like... Greedy, they all are working for the show. You know, it's it's a, like the workers up there uh, Brian Adams, uh, Jack Windsor, Jerry Bishop, to name the guys I've worked with, have been
0: awesome. Well, hopefully, uh, your trip by the end of the year will happen uh, yeah. at some point. I can't imagine there being many cases of COVID 19 in Alaska, but what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> but, Nikos, thank you so much for joining us for this interview. Uh, when I heard that you were going to be someone that was going to be interviewed for us, I had to jump on that right away. Uh, like I said, you were one of my favorite guys in BWF, outside of my squad. So uh, thank you again for joining us. So, you know, Mark, you I've,
3: got, I've, I've got one quick thing to say, if you don't mind me. Yeah, me. sure. Two things. I'm going to keep it quick. First, we're going to clear the air on something I had. I had. It's over now. but I'm going to bring it up anyway. A little bit of a bug to pick with you. Oh, no. Where um, one of the first times, actually one of the first times I met you, I listened, I I watched back to a BWF show and Vicious Vicky's having her match. And I'm listening to the commentary and, uh, you know, really talking about how much Vicky loves Taylor Swift and how, You know, you're also a Taylor Swift fan, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, where the hell is this guy getting his information from? Right. She only likes
0: Taylor Swift because of me, pal. Well, not for nothing. Vicious Vicky did correct me in that the next show. Um, Oh, I I
3: know, but I had to bring it up. Well, I think
0: when I talked to you guys, I talked to you guys together. I think you mentioned something about Taylor Swift. And somehow my notes, I got them both together. I don't know. That's on me. Of course.
3: She's into screaming music and all that crazy (laughs) stuff. And second story, a quick little side thing. Um, I just want to do a quick little shout out, and it is wrestling based if you have uh, 30 seconds for a quick story. Yeah, for Uh, sure. One of my favorite, two of my favorite rescues, I already mentioned the Westchester Rescue Hamster, and the Pip Squeakery. Little side note recently, the Pip Squeakery has a little bit of a wrestling connection. Alistair Black is a big supporter of them, of all people. Wow, I did not know that. The owners of the Pitsqueakery, Alex and Jason, they're not really into wrestling. I know Jason was a fan, but Alex recently, he had reached out to them, and um, long story short, he did a shout-out for them on Instagram, and they contacted me because they had named a guinea pig after him, which he, I know, shouted out. He loved it. They asked me, hey, we've got a litter of guinea pigs being born. You know, we want to name them after wrestlers. What can we name them? So long story short, the, the, the new four additions are Selena. Angel, after Angel Garza, Andrade. And she really took a liking to the name Finn after, well, you know. Right. So, uh, which they made apparent, they made public in a post, and Aleister Black acknowledged it. And he, I know he thought it was great. So I thought, cool little side story that uh, there is a wrestling rodent rescue uh, connection there with uh, WWE and the pipsqueakery of all places. But that
0: great. is amazing. Yes, this will definitely make the final cut for that one. <laughs> awesome.
3: Yeah. yeah, cut out Vicky's stuff. Just leave that
0: in. <laughs> oh, poor Vicky. She'll probably kill me if that's the case.
3: This this is how I am with her. She knows. I'm, I'm, I'm just a fan I guess
0: <laughs> Nikos, where can we find you on social media?
3: Facebook, Nikos Rikos, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, they're both at OPA, O-P-A, underscore, Nikos Ricos N I K O S L I K O S. And then you know you can find me wherever I'm wrestling. Just follow me. I'll be posting about it.
0: So Hell yeah, man. Well, thank you again, Nikos Ricos. Stay tuned for last call at the end of the show, but in the meantime, back to the studio. It's time for this week's TV takedown. That was probably what my Favorite interviews right there. Had a lot of fun with Nikos. He is a rising star in the independent scene. He's someone that he's definitely got to keep an eye on if you haven't been paying attention. Nikos Rikos, he wrestles everywhere. Even Alaska, as you heard. Uh, the man is a machine.
1: Yeah, it's very impressive. Uh, love, always mark out when I see him on Raw. I'm like, oh, this guy's definitely going places soon. He's, he's on the cusp of a call-up to a promotion. I definitely look forward to following his career once that happens.
0: Earlier before, I, I was on uh, the Instagram Live page for a shot of wrestling. That's shot of wrestling, guys. You can follow it everywhere on social media Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. or Instagram Live, before with Eric Jaden, we were talking the praises of, of Nicholas Rico. Seeing that, uh, Jaden actually wanted to do a bold prediction saying in, within a year he sees Nico Rico and Vicious Vicky being signed to a major promotion.
1: Really, really, it's not way off, it's not an no. outlandish prediction. So,
0: no, it's not outlandish at all, it's something I
1: could definitely say. I was getting some TV this week. Mark, floor's yours.
0: All right. So, actually, buddy, you're gonna be happy with me for once. After after a year, after wait, wait, over a year, yeah, you've been coming at me year and a half, talking about Impact. Yeah, like, you have to talk about Impact. You're talking about Impact, and how can you not see what Impact? I finally watched it. Really? Wow. Okay. I finally watched Impact, and uh, man, I gotta say, impressive stuff. They really put on a showing. They. They, they they impressed me so much in that ring, man. Um, and then, I, I don't know, man. Like I, I dug it. I, I, it makes me want to come back for more. Truth be told, you know, between like you know the, the matches itself actually blew away anything I saw on TV this week. Absolutely. But I'm not gonna lie, man. You're gonna be disappointed. In, in the same sentence, I'm gonna say it's not my takedown of the week,
1: though. Yeah. It came close. You're just teasing me. Okay.
0: It came close. My takedown of the week. Is Doctor Britt Baker okay? That promo. Is
1: this like the three weeks in, it, a, in a row?
0: No, 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 no. Three out of King the last glows, four. She she goes out there with a with a broken leg, pretty much, right? And still does her role model segment. And funny I know you're big on puns. She did, yeah. she did a role model with two L's there because <laughs> they had to roll her out in a wheelchair. Uh, dude, every week though, you know she gets better and better and better in the ring. Uh, especially the confidence that she has in her character, uh, she's escalating to a whole other level, man. And uh, your girl Rebel was there too.
1: Damn right, pulled her That little clip, yeah, fantastic.
0: And uh, I, I think Britt Baker. It's, it's sad to say she's not going to be able to come back to wrestling until December with December uh, coming back from injury. Yeah, wow. But hopefully they continue doing stuff like this with her because she she's great in the mic, and I think she's someone that could eventually, with her character, could be in the spotlight in that women's division.
1: Good pick. Welcome to Impact. You're going to watch Impact this week? You're going to keep it up with Impact? No. I'm going I'm, I'm to keep it going. I'm yeah. going to keep it going. Good. Tiffany?
4: So, my pick for this week that I love, love, and it's because I think I'm biased as hell, <laughs> is my favorite was the match of Private Party a Joey Janela versus the Young Bucks and Matt party whenever these guys always get into the ring together especially private party and the young bucks it's like magic happening in the ring i absolutely adore it the the first was it the first week of dynamite aw when we had private party and the young bucks i marked out so hard um so i'd love to see i love that we got to see this again with matt hardy and i know personally that private party loves Working with Matt Hardy. So these guys all work together. So, and for me, to see a lot of these guys, like I feel so proud um, seeing them in the independent scene and making the moves up into AEW. So it, it's just absolutely crazy to me. Um, I love the silly string. I wish that we got to see Gin and Juice, uh, but that didn't happen. <laughs> Poor Quinn, thank God he didn't like crack his foot. He's okay. It's a sprain. But yeah, this was one of my favorite uh, matches for this week. But I agree with you, Mark. The Britt Baker, she's getting better. Absolutely. Like every week. I know, like, I wasn't personally a fan in the beginning, but she needed to be healed. Definitely, I feel. But uh, it's some good stuff. She's getting there. She's getting
0: there. She's definitely come a long way. I mean, if if you look in the very beginning, you can tell me she was kind of uncomfortable in that role. She seemed like, you know, uh, lost in the headlights there a, a few times. But man, like every week she delivers and, and like it's it makes me buy in and it makes me want to see more of that character and, and to see the different storylines and how it's going to play out. Uh, she's not going out of the park, man. She's catching along so fast. And I can only imagine if they keep on bringing her out week after week or every other week or what have you up until December, man, like that character is going to be so over.
4: Yeah, it's, it's just gonna it's just gonna take time. But like how I always tell people that are not on the brick baker train is you gotta remember too. Before AEW, a lot of these wrestlers were not in weekly like TV or they weren't wrestling as much. So you're only gonna go up, right? And and that's what we've seen since. I'm gonna say like October because I'm not even gonna consider the pay per views because really we didn't go into weekly TV until since October. So since October that's to right. now. She has gotten better, which I can only see going further in her career. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm excited to see what she's gonna, you know what she's going to involve to.
0: And then you look at the indie scene, like, you know, how often do you really work on a character? How often are they on the mic, speaking from a live audience every week? It's not so often. So yeah, yeah. You know, on top of that, so you have doing weekly shows, doing character development, you're on the mic, so. You know not everyone's going to catch on right away i think Brit, dr Bert baker she's a doctor for a reason and she catches on fast you know she her mind is like a sponge and her evolution it's just showing it's showing it every week
4: yeah and she's working with some of the best in there isn't she like working with jericho as well so you're only going to get better with your weekly i mean it's a shame that she got hurt and she's supposed to come back for all out
0: it's it's a damn shame that she got hurt the way she did you know um it, uh, was it? I forgot which bone she broke, but it's pretty. It's essentially a broken leg. the, tibular
2: a, or the ACL? Yeah. T-
0: t- uh, tib- tibular. I think. Yeah. it is. Yeah. I'm not a doctor. I've only played one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like she, she's tough as anything, man. Um, she can go in the ring. She's got a great look to her. I, you know, the, the AEW Women's Division, I know it gets uh, gets some shit because, like, you know, it's not the creme de la crop compared to the other promotions, but it's growing. And I think if Britt Baker is someone that eventually you could build that women's roster around, and I think they're one or two more signings away from really being very competitive with the other promotions there.
4: I mean, look what you got. You're, you got a bunch of girls from Stardom, which I was not even familiar with, right? So you have Beat and then you have Rio, and then you have uh, Cheetah. Right, and and they were working, busting their ass, crazy in the ring in Stardom. Like it is really good product. I, I don't follow it, but like I actually watched a couple of matches from uh, a fellow podcaster. Shout out to John. Uh, that he he focuses just on Stardom, and he actually sat me down and watched a couple of matches with him. And I'm like, look at these women. So with the women's roster in AW, keep training. Again, I couldn't do it. So much credit to, to these girls. You're only going to get better week by week by week. So.
0: No,
1: it, it, they were very
0: smart with the talent that they got there. They do mesh together very well. And they're developing some chemistry, uh, as you can see, as the weeks go along.
1: I've been a big fan of that uh, otis Manny storyline since going back to what, December. Oh, God. T- don't tell me this is your takedown. No, it's not. But, um. <laughs> They were, Thank make, God. they were making out in a pool. I don't need to see that. I don't want to see them making out on my TV, so please. I
0: feel like I was Look. watching a porno. Yeah, was disgusting. What was that?
1: I don't want to know. Um, The whole Jeff Hardy thing, I just made me feel a little uncomfortable and weird. I don't know how to process that, why they're exploiting that. but
0: I I, I kind of like what they're doing, but at the same time, timing. I feel like the timing wasn't right that timing. for
1: that. And it's the way it was done. Clearly, Seamus is involved with this, so it's not like... We're like, oh, what's going on? Yeah, they, just, they made the yeah, team Jeff too Hardy hokey. Yeah, came
0: back in the end. Yeah, that was, no, Mark, it was weird.
1: Mark, you got me excited because my takedown is one of the best matches I've seen not only this week, last couple of weeks. Michael yeah. Elgin versus Trey in the semifinals for the Impact, number one contender finals um, tournament. For a two-hour show, that match was over 25 minutes.
0: Yo, no joke. That match is great.
1: I penciled in Michael Elgin in the finals, and he lost, surprisingly. it just That match just blew me away. <laughs> of the best matches I've seen on TV in the last several weeks.
0: I I had some minor problems with that match, but overall as a whole, it definitely got my attention. Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't really expect much from Impact, you know, because like Don't. Honestly, go into it I, not I,
1: expecting much, then it will live up to your expectation. They you build up to it, and uh...
0: yeah, like I was like, whoa, these guys are they're, they're killing it for 25 minutes. They're absolutely killing it. Um, were there some things I can nitpick on? Sure, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, those two guys, they they, they they gave it their all. Uh, if fans were there, they would have been on yeah. their feet for sure the whole time.
1: And Trey getting a main event and, spot like that, and now in the finals, it's uh, against Ace Austin, yeah, big who just from.
0: had it on last week.
1: Impact's doing good things. I'm happy you're uh, going to keep going with that.
0: Yeah, man. Um, I'm actually surprised. Like I, I just I just I, said, I said the same run, thing. I was just trying to like, you know what? I got nothing going on right now. Let me try and make Putty's day. You or let me try it. shit on Putty's day. Yeah. Because I wanted to go in absolute shit on it.
1: And I was like, I can't. You're fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> that's not my TV takedown this week. This past weekend was AEW's Double or Nothing. The floor is yours. I mean, Putty, you, you, Putty you, didn't you didn't watch? I didn't Double watch. Or I didn't watch it. I'm not paying that money. How?
4: Get out! Oh, I'm, so yeah. I'm so used Get to, out, You're fired.
1: I'm so used to uh, paying ten bucks watching a pay per view. I want. I'm going to pay 60, 70 bucks for a pay per view.
4: Not watch double or nothing. I'm so insulted for the something? girl who runs a, you know, like an AEW podcast.
0: Do you know why he doesn't watch AEW? You why want to know you why? Watch, oh no, no!
4: Why do you because not it, watch because
0: it?
1: mass singers on the same time. Yeah, absolutely. But it's over now. It's over. <laughs> So my Wednesday's my is opened <laughs> up.
0: Tiffany's shaking her head in disgust at putty.
1: My Wednesday's opened up, and uh, I'm choosing NXT over AW.
4: It, it's still okay. So have you? The real question is: Have you sat and really gave it a chance? AEW?
1: I watched the first episode, and I now I, my Wednesdays are free. I flip back and forth to AW and NXT, but I always usually stay on NXT.
4: Okay, but like there's DVR. <laughs> so like you can DVR it, you can watch I DVR, it that way.
1: I DVR a bunch of shit. My brother, no, I don't, am you do already, you right. this. you're giving the
4: same excuses that I I'm, yeah,
1: I'm, I'm already watching <laughs> nine hours of TV. This is unacceptable. I don't need two more.
4: This
1: is AEW. <laughs> that's, that's what Mark's for.
4: One of the best, like, tag team divisions that you're going to have in a freaking promotion. All right? Like. Don't learn nothing. What happened?
1: Give me the results. Give me your takedown. Tell it to me.
4: Oh, my God. Okay. So, like, my favorite part, okay? I, and it's so silly. And again, like I said, because I, I am queen of indies. And like I, like I said, I mark out. Because I love the fact that a lot of these guys I've seen in the independent scene. So, I'm going to put over Orange Cassidy, who is on my list of husbands. And I love the little spot when he came out and he walked over to commentary. And he was like, so how do you win this match in the ladder batch? And it was just the classic Orange Cassidy. And then he's just very slow, doesn't want, like, he's like, okay. And then he walks, he takes his jacket off, and it's like you're killing the time, right? And then he takes his shirt off, and then he slowly walks in, and then he comes into the ring, and then he's reaching for the damn ship. This is classic Arch Cassidy, and if you can't get behind Arch Cassidy, I am going to come and smack you in the face because it pisses me off. And like you have to have an open mind, right? This is what I say. I think I've become a better fan because – Really because of the independency. I'm really gonna say this is all because of independency, right? So I love the fact that it's like comedy wrestling, right? With wrestling, you have everything different, right? So you have your technical wrestling, you can have death matches, you can have Intergender matches, right? And I like some of the comedy wrestling. And Orange Cassidy is gold. And the fans eat it up. And the fans flip out. So, I mean, I'm sad that, like, he didn't win this match. But it was all the little classic Orange Cassidy things that he was doing. And then when he tried to pick up the ladder, and uh, he couldn't figure out how to pick up the ladder, these were the like the little parts that I was like, man, I was like, this is what I love. And the only thing that like I wish we would see that we had not seen in AEW with or Orange Cassidy is the orange juice spot. This is the one thing I complain about the AEW on AEW podcast that I do. Why have we not seen the Orange Cassidy orange juice spot where he comes out, he drinks it, and he spits it in the person's face, and usually that's how he wins. So I feel like that's going to be safe for a special number when he gets, mm-hmm. like, a win. So that's one of my favorite things. It's so little, but it's one of my favorite things of uh, Double or Nothing this, this weekend. So. See, that,
0: that, uh, that ladder match, right? it was it was interesting. It was a unique take on Money in the Bank. It, it wasn't necessarily a, a cookie-cutter version of it. I, I liked how uh, different people came out at different times. It was, like, what uh, a two-minute countdown, I think it was. Yeah. So that yeah. was that was definitely unique. It would add a whole other element to it. I believe, you know, honestly, there were we talked about it last week about unnecessary spots, about like you know, un, un, taking unnecessary risks. And I feel like there was a little bit of that. I feel like at one point it did get to be a clusterfuck in there. Uh, to me, outside talents that weren't necessarily inside the match. So that was my critique on that. I, I would think actually the the biggest thing for me that stood out that whole night, the biggest match itself. And I was looking forward to the storyline going into it because every week it was just escalating, escalating, escalating story wise, uh, was Cody Rhodes versus Lance Archer.
1: Oh yeah. You're really you're uh, much part of that. Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely, man. And it delivered, uh, you know, it was a, it was a hard hitting contest. It got very physical. Uh, they told a story in there and, you know, I was okay with Cody Rhodes go, uh, going over, uh, to, to taking the win from Lance Archer with becoming the first ever TNT champion. The belt itself, so it, it needs some work, I think. Well, it's
4: not complete. Because it's the not device. complete. Right. It's so, like, under, it's understood. At least we got something. That's how, like, I at least we got something.
0: It. But like, yeah. you know, I, I love the fact, like, you know, how often do you go into, like, an awesome storyline and then for the match to be wah-wah? You know, I, I feel like this match actually did deliver. It was a good exclamation point. For what happened, and it, it, it does lead to possibly maybe more uh, more of a feud down the road. But Cody Rhodes, Lance Archer, they tore their house down. It was classic wrestling, and uh, for me, that was my moment of the of the pay- whole pay per view.
4: <laughs> it was good. It was such a it was it, it was really good. And as what you would say about the ladder match, I mean, it really think about it, it was really created so that uh, Brian Cage would make his debut. That's right. really what it was. So you didn't really need a bunch of fancy spots to happen because you were showcasing, uh, Ryan Cage in this match. So, right. Which it, it, it it,
0: at one point, there were too many. Uh, we talked about before, like managers. So, so extra people going into that match. It was a little, a little too much. Maybe one would have been fine, but like it felt like it was like what two or three got involved in there. Like extra people that weren't <laughs> necessarily in that match. I was like, this is. Well, you gotta, is... you gotta
4: you got to showcase some of the other guys too, right? So you, gotta you don't have to. have to throw, Well, you're going to want to make the fans happy as well. Right. You want to throw in some that you, Less you like, like Darby. Well, I agree with that, you know, but at the same time too, you do have a big roster and you can't fit everybody into the roster. But the only thing that like, I didn't like about the whole, like the, the Cody and well, well, it's really more of the belt of no, with uh, Brian cage, excuse me, is that I wish that this wasn't leaked right out after that. Brian cage was cashing in the chip. You know already. I feel like that should have waited to Dynamite. I feel like we would have got a bigger pop. Like Taz coming out saying, yeah, you know, talking crap to John Moxley. I felt like it would have meant, meant more if it was done on Dynamite. By the way, speaking life. of Taz yeah.
0: with Brian Cage, I dig that combination. Taz is yeah, a great talker. Uh, i I never even thought of him possibly being a manager, but man, I mean that—that's a good role for him, especially with someone like Brian Cage. That—that that just makes sense.
4: Yeah. You wouldn't know unless you get it, and that's what I was like. You've been saying like earlier that you you wouldn't know until you get it, and then you see, it and you're like, oh. And that's like well, that's
0: what know, I feel about Terry. Yeah, with with Taz, right? With what we said before, Taz, I would never imagine him in that role right away, but it, it does make sense for him. I mean, he's he's got that edge to him. He's a, he's a great talker, and he's got a lot of experience in the ring. He can back it up. It does. It's believable that he would be a great manager for a young talent, such as Brian Cage. Yeah.
1: So it sounds like overall it was a great pay per view.
0: It was good. I mean, there, there was there were some moments. In there. I mean, was it perfect? No. But for what Nothing's it was, it, it, yeah. it, it was a good pay per view. It was a good show. Uh, Tiffany, I, I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts about this. What, what did you think about the Stadium Stampede match?
4: Oh my god, I had so much fun with it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like I said, I really, I really, when I when I went into AW, right, I really did have an open mind. I wasn't going to sit there and bash it, but I was like, I have to treat AEW very differently because it was the alternative, right? It was supposed to be something completely different. So my mind frame for anything in AEW is open mind. So at the same time, with us going through all this crap right now with the COVID-19 and everything, right? We need some humor going on. So I'm, like I said, I was very bent that I didn't get blood and guts, So we didn't get to see this. We were, we were deprived of blood and guts. So... I was very entertained. You can't take everything so serious. So you had some fun spots. I know a lot of people tore it. They did not like it. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I sat in my apartment, died laughing at some of the spots that was going on. The Matt Hardy in the, in the, uh, in the pool the, with, with freaking LAX. i LA you like it, it. That I, really, be-
0: I really enjoyed that spot. <laughs> I really enjoyed Matt Hardy in that because it makes sense. It just makes sense with, it, with yeah. his character. Uh, for fine. me, so long as it makes sense, then it's good. Uh, I, my gripe with it, I, I think, is just... Um, I thought it was cool. There were a lot of cool moments in that match. You know, it, it was unique because it's, it's in an empty stadium. Not necessarily an empty arena, but an empty stadium. Yeah. And there's, so there's a lot you can do with it. Maybe a little too much you can do with it, but there was a lot you can do with it. And this is a fight. This has been escalating for a while now between... Uh, between these two teams here, between Inner Circle and and the Elite, but like, I don't know what it is, hey, Tiffany. You're going to hate me for this. Um, <laughs> the Young Bucks, I, there's there's some spots they did in there. I was just shaking my head at. I, I was just like, this is this, you, this is not needed.
4: If you say. If you say locomotion, you didn't like for Matt Jackson, I'm going to super kick you the next time I see you in person. Because that is, like, my favorite spot by, like, Matt Jackson. I mark out every single time and that he went uh, to the touchdown, and then he got up, and then he started dancing, and then Rick Knox gave him the yellow penalty. It, 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 just, you
0: know, it, it, it's I, – I, I just don't believe it. I, I don't <gasps> believe that's, that, that's something – like, we it was obvious cutaways. It was just – with Matt Hardy <laughs> with Hardy the character made sense with this like, this is like this this is hokey like the, no. the young bucks they they they're so talented they're so athletic I'll give them that but they they do these things that are just unnecessary just to show off their athleticism it's like you don't need to do that so that it, it, I feel like that took away from the match weeks a couple of spots that the young bucks did specifically
4: I love them. It doesn't matter. I mean, we could go back to All Out. I mean, I, I can sit, I can talk AEW all the time with their match with the Lucha Brothers and everything, and that was like insane. And like I was there, and I was like freaking out for like Matt and Nick. Um, so they're one of they're they're like one of my favorite tag teams. So I kind of can't really say anything bad. And like I said, I always go in with an open mind, and then that way you don't get disappointed. But again, like I said, I think for the whole point of it, it was supposed to be fun, and we would have probably gotten something a lot. Better and different. If we had blood and guts, it would have been completely different. So, yeah, this you was. Gotta supposed, work for what
0: you got this was supposed to be a fight. I felt like for the most part, we did get a fight. Um, you know, especially at the end. Uh, but again, you know, for for what it was. I mean, it, it just might taste. There are a couple of things for a fight that it didn't necessarily need in there. Well, that didn't necessarily make sense. With well, Matt Hardy. It, it does make sense with his character. You know, it, a it makes lot of sense when it goes down.
4: If you, if you don't watch, like, BTE, then, like, some things you're not going to pick up on as well. So, like, like I always tell people, like, you have to put two and two together because a lot of things are done on BTE as well. So the whole Hangman page in the bar as well comes from BTE. So if you don't watch BTE, you're not going to understand um, that. So I feel like it's very crucial that if you're going to watch AEW, you have to watch BTE as well to catch on to some of the jokes. I mean, I went back. I wasn't watching BTE from like the beginning. I went back and binged it. I mean, I run an AEW podcast, right? So it's like I had to go back and I had to understand everything. So I feel like a lot of those little pieces, even in the stadium, played part from BTE. You know, even
0: like Adam Page makes sense because, you know, he's kind of like a loner in this situation. He obviously drinks, you know, so that made sense. And he had Jack Hager meeting him up there and they had their they had their brawl there in the bar.
4: It made sense to me. Um, yeah. But that also played part from back then in VTE where it all started with private party, and that's how like Kaiga started drinking. So it all it all comes together. That's why I'm waiting for the feud, of private party, and Kenny Omega and Hangman um, Page. So I see the story like building slowly.
0: We so, shall see. To be continued.
4: Yes. Yeah. I Ray- can keep talking about it. <laughs> Buddy,
0: are you sold on this? go home? Thoughts? Yeah, man. I had fun.
1: Tiffany, you had fun?
0: Oh yeah. Kind
1: of. All right. on thoughts. Yeah. Yours. Mark.
0: Well, I just want to say this, uh, you know, obviously this country has been going through a lot with the pandemic and then also with what's been going on with the police force. Uh, George Floyd, I am so glad that finally there's going to be some justice here as the officer has been arrested uh, as of the as of the recording of today, which is Friday. Yep. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy about that. But, you know, a lot more needs to be done. Because this is getting ridiculous. The fact that this is happening during a pandemic, uh, you know, where's empathy here? Where's togetherness? So we're, we're, all in this, we're all supposed to be in this together, and yet we have this, this brutality, this, this racism uh, that's going on here. And it's so ugly, man. It, it breaks my heart. And so I hopefully, you know, this is something that's been recognized, obviously, statewide, worldwide. And uh, hopefully things can get better from here.
1: Yeah, that's just crazy. I'm watching now on the news, all the riots now breaking out everywhere, including the front of the White, uh, front of the White House. It's a crazy time living. Crazy time living. Uh, it, it's, it's 2020 this year. Can't,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I want to say it can't get any worse, but every week it don't seems say like it's yeah, getting worse. Don't say <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just hope for some sort of light in this tunnel. And, you know, we this, everything happens for a reason, and, and hopefully this is the thing that will finally change the culture of what's going on.
1: Uh, Tiffany, follow that. Let uh, me go home. <laughs> to you.
4: Like, you want me to touch on what you guys were talking about, or no? I didn't I didn't what do you
1: want? home. Oh, talk to you. I, I
4: don't know. Like, well, you were you got you guys were gonna talk about a little bit of the the Hammond thing, right? Oh yeah, you want Cause like, yeah, cause like, I mean, that's so sad what happened. The the whole cyber bullying and it, it's absolutely crazy to me. And I uh, I don't get it. But even like some of the wrestlers also that was doing their um. Little shout outs to her as well. Like Sheeta, her gear was in tribute uh, on Double or Nothing to Hannah as well. I don't Sacha, know if we knew Sacha that. Sasha
0: Banks had it on. Yeah, Saturday I saw Saturday that. Well. I saw
4: that too. So yeah. a lot of wrestlers, I like, I started noticing that uh, they were doing that as well. Little, little shout outs to that. So sad, man. We all, you know. twenty like short... years
0: old, way too young, man. Yeah. Way too young. Uh, it, it, it's so sad. It, it just, you're wrestling wrestling fandom it, it's it's an interesting one, you know because they can be so great, yeah. but at times they can be so toxic as well it's it, it just meanwhile, you, know, you have these performers, these people are going out there week after week after week, uh, tearing up their body, taking time off their lives and sacrificing even having a family, friends, having a life for the entertainment of the fans, and then this happens it's it, it, sh- it shouldn't be. You know, along with what I was saying before, I mean, the, the culture, the, the whole culture of the world, it needs to change because it's been so ugly.
1: One of the greatest inventions in the last 20 years is social media. But one of the worst inventions is social media. It's used the right way. It's fantastic, bringing people together, sharing love and positivity. But you have these trolls who use it such a negative, vile, vicious, hateful thing. And I'm sometimes I'll read comments on people's posts. I'm like, okay. And then some people are like, this sucks. This is stupid. Why'd you post this? Well, that's a stupid comment. Why'd you post that comment? If right. You have nothing nice to say. Why say anything at all? And to the point of, that she had to kill herself—that's just ridiculous. So uh, going through yeah. with her, Mark, what you talked about—you know, why can't we just get along? You know, why? What? What's all this hate and negativity in the world? It's something that uh, unfortunately not going to go away anytime soon.
0: Yeah, it, it is sad the fact that you're right. It's not going to go away anytime soon. I, I just don't understand uh, the philosophy of going in there. Uh, purposely to ruin someone's day, like what? What, yeah. what does one get out of that? Like, how, how does that make you feel better? It, it, it doesn't. It just feels more hate, and he's going to do more and more and more. And then, I don't know, man. It, it just—it's—it's uh, it's a bummer. I hate to go out on such a bad note, but you know, things definitely need to change in this world.
1: In, uh South Park, you know, kills everything they do, and they did a great episode about cyberbullying. Uh, Stan's dad cyberbully this like Swedish Olympian athlete, like a hero, to the point it was so bad she had to kill herself. And you just see Randy felt like such an asshole, such a dick, because, like, oh, my God, I can't believe what I... It's just supposed to be fun and games, but he didn't think about the repercussions of what his actions were. And, of course, South Park did their little spin on it, but...
0: Because these are yeah, real people. Uh, yeah. Like, they, yeah, you see them do their thing in the ring. They look like superstars. They look like they're invincible. But at the end of the day, we're all people. Yep. You know, we're all people with feelings and we our own problems. You don't necessarily know what's going on, or like, you know, if there's, if there's mental health problems or problems at home. And, you know, you just come back and you, you want to have an escape online and you, you see just nothing but negativity. Yeah. Uh, it's it's sad.
1: This is following with almost the years of the day when Ashley Masero passed away. It's uh, right. really a sad time. Well, let's uh, end it there, Tiffany. Sorry to end up on such yeah. a bummer. Uh... <laughs> To we
4: have giggles. to do better
1: where's the glitter, make a slap. Giggles. Where's, the glitter? Yeah,
4: where's the glitter I'm telling you the next show I'm coming with a big thing of glitter and I'm just going to throw it at people that's it I told you glitter bombs. Like, yeah. Oh, I need man. a glitter bomb right now How about yeah.
1: that? <laughs> I need a Jager yeah, bomb my shot. Toby, thanks for joining hey, us
4: here's a, here's a good note hey you don't know, like too good take this L right, <laughs> right. <Can>
1: we... <laughs> yeah. there
4: you go
1: Tiffany, thanks for joining us. Hope you had fun. Where can people find you on social media?
4: Uh, So you guys can follow me at loves to dream 82 L U V S the number two dream 82. So, and then also on at no holds barred network and the at all elite pod was too many Twitter accounts, but hey. I'm busy, right? I got a lot of things going on, so but yeah, so that's where you'll find me. Positive
1: comments only, please. Love. Yes, please. right?
4: Yes. We gotta do better around here. So only positive. So clean i clean up your go. act or you'll get blocked. Seriously. Let's let's do better. Let's just enjoy wrestling. That's really all that's what we're all here for. So.
0: Wrestling, enjoy life. I mean yeah, shit. Life
4: is short. If if
0: this is teaching you anything right now, life is indeed short. But Tiffany, thank you so much for coming on to our show. Uh, I hope you had fun. I enjoyed myself here with you talking about AEW. Someone has to talk AEW with me. (laughs) Buddy won't. (laughs)
4: Okay, <laughs> we're gonna get you on the AEW train, okay? Like I'm starting. To with, I'm like to work with, my... with
0: Impact. Let's let's, let's baby steps. It's Steph. gonna
4: be my mission now to get you on the AEW. train.
0: So, Tiffany, don't don't so. tell Putty. But I the only reason I watch Impact was so hopefully that he would watch AEW. It's still not working. I don't know what to do with this guy. I can't. Like can't, just oh,
1: Putty, you're still saw... Tiffany, Hi. Tiffany, don't tell Mark. But uh, he didn't order the pay per view. He watched clips online. So, dick, make sure oh! my you know, I'm going to back you both. <laughs> <laughs> thank you again. Nice. Follow you on social media. Listen to her podcast. Mark, thank thanks for being here, I guess.
0: <laughs> You're such a dick. <laughs> well, Putty's not going to sell it, so I'll just sell it for you. Uh, if you want to find me, you can go to yourfavoriteactor.com. All my social media sites are on there. And uh, I want to say a special thank you to Nikos Ricos. I had a lot of fun with you on our interview. And uh, I guess, Putty, you can tell people where they want to find you if they want to. I don't know why, but... Mm.
1: <laughs> you, you're fired. You can't fire me. I can. No, you can't. I'll bring you into the show. I'll take you out of it. I'm no, your host I, I... at Magogay Party until next week. Without Mark Schwann, Putty out. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I need to announce it's last, last call, call at, at the, the bar. bar. Oh. oh.
0: All right, guys. This is last call. I'm here with the Spartan Pitbull, Nikos Ricos. Nikos, you ready for this? I'm ready. All right, so first question. Who, in your opinion, is the most underappreciated wrestler in history? Christian. Ooh, all right. Yeah. Agreed in there. What are you currently watching?
3: Um. So I'm in a time machine at the moment. I just finished watching Lost. I did watch it. It was on the air. I never finished it. Vicky and I rewatched from episode one, and it was even better than I remember when I first watched it.
0: All right. So what is your favorite pay-per-view?
3: It's going to be the answer everybody probably gives you. It's, it is WrestleMania. What is your favorite team? The New York Mets.
0: All right. Um, what's the best advice you ever received?
3: Um, so it sounds really generic, and I've heard this at multiple seminars, you know, podcasts as well. I've been told it to my face after working with certain guys that were in WWE after wrestling with them being yourself mm. and having that play a huge part into your wrestling character so that so everything comes natural, like being who you are but just turning it up to a higher level. And that, to me, has helped me uh, immensely, I would think.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, like, I think you know, life in general, life advice in general or wrestling advice, it could be used for either or right there, you know? Absolutely. And uh, being yourself is great advice to give to you know everyday person, and especially in wrestling. Absolutely. What is your favorite wrestling theme song? Oh boy. Um, so the first thing that comes to mind is Goldberg's original theme
3: because Goldberg, growing up, was my hero, my favorite wrestler of all time. All right. Um, I really feel like saying Jericho's theme though over the years, but I got to go back to the one in childhood from my childhood that captivated me every time
0: I heard it. So I'm gonna have to go with Goldberg's theme. Who would you most likely get starstruck by if you met them? I think I know the answer, but I want to be sure. Taylor Swift.
3: I knew it. I knew it. I, I I think we know it. And, uh Taylor Swift and I would put up there as number one Taylor Swift, number two Goldberg. Taylor's up there because there's also a love for her on many different levels. I don't care, I'll say it. And then um Goldberg is like right there.
0: Yeah, I, I I'm a Swifty myself. I, I think I would uh I would try to keep it cool, but I might have a mini markout moment. I might.
3: You know, I would not keep it cool. I would be proud to not and I would be proud to not keep it cool. <laughs> Yeah, I, would try, I would try to ask for a hand in marriage right then and there.
0: Vicky so. uh, might have to face in her match.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't care.
0: That's fine. What is your hidden talent?
3: Whoa. Um, my obsession with animals, uh, including most notably, as a lot of people know, uh, my hamsters. I don't really know if that's a talent in terms of like my care for them and the fact that I do – Occasionally, will help out a rescue actually up in New York in uh, a I will. I actually have done a couple transports for this place um, of hamsters in need. I don't really know if that's a talent. Oh God! Um, There are times when, like you know, I'm like you know, I think I've got a decent voice, and I've been told before, like. Oh, you know, you actually have a, you know, I, I don't know. So maybe somebody else would have to judge that, but maybe I'm not aware of how even good of a singer I am. Let's put it that Ooh, way. Ooh, all right. We're going to have to
0: get you in karaoke.
3: Good thing. I'll do it.
0: Now, what was your favorite toy slash action figure when you were a kid?
3: Okay, so we'll just change that around right now because I'm 30 years old and I'm staring at at least, I'd say maybe 200 wrestling figures in my living room.
0: That's amazing. Um,
3: And next to them is an entire shelf of Batman, probably over 100 figures there. And then across the living room, there's Funko Pops. There's a Star Wars shelf. There's a shelf dedicated just to Boba Fett and The Mandalorian. So in terms of me collecting, I mean, there's stuff I've added to my collection this week. Uh, Damn! um, um, You know, I'm going to actually – oh, my God. That's tough. I don't really know if I ever had that one figure, though, that, all right, oh, like, he always carries that one around. (laughs) Um, I do know that from the time I was like four, there was always something of Batman in my hand. Right now, I will tell you the figure that I sought after for the longest time, and a client of mine got him for me as a Christmas gift, was Pete Dunne's first Mattel Elite figure that was extremely hard to find and extremely expensive on eBay.
0: Hey, man, I think that's the hidden talent right there.
3: <laughs> uh, that could be. I don't know if it is. Then, yeah, maybe.
0: But, all right, Nico Rico's, thank you for joining us for Last Call. And, uh, guys, please join us next week for another episode of Shot of Wrestling.
1: Hey, baby, I hear the bell ring in hip tosses and body slams. Oh, my. And maybe you seem a bit confused. Yeah, baby, but I got you pinned.